0: Hi, my name is Yasmin Terehi, and this is Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. In today's episode, I sit down with Brett Fleischer, a lifelong pursuer of the expressive arts and authentic expression. Brett has traveled down many paths as an actor, writer, musician, filmmaker, youth educator, and Reiki practitioner. After years of feeling out of balance, physically, emotionally, and mentally, Brett discovered the power of a somatic release and began to heal through old traumas that were causing him lifelong pain, He resonated with this approach and started studying the point holding process and somatic release technique with his beloved teachers, Catalina Ureta and Judith Johnson. And Brett founded the Yummy Heart in the fall of 2018 and loves working one-on-one with people to help guide them back into their bodies, as well as educate people on understanding the function of trauma through workshops. In addition to his work with the Yummy Heart, Brett is also a facilitator with Sacred Sons, which we'll get into, and a lead mentor of the Sacred Sons youth program. So without further ado, we will welcome Brett to the show. I'm very excited to welcome him because I actually met him in person in Los Angeles at one of the recent Yummy Heart tea gatherings. So welcome, Brett.
1: Hi, (laughs) Esmeen.
0: So Brett, I want to kick it off because you have a lot of different worlds that you live in. And I honestly found that so fascinating when we first met. Um, I love the way that you held space in the tea gathering, um, but that's just a small part of who you are as a person. So I wanted to ask you about what it means to play as an adult and how play is so important to the work that you do.
1: Yeah. Uh, wow. Um I found that, in my pursuit of of health in my body, um, like you mentioned earlier in the introduction, that it led me to understanding and diving deeper into the definition of trauma. And I think that trauma is a very big, misunderstood word. It's a very like one of those very big little words that we have. and Uh, In the definition that I uh, came to understand through my teachers, trauma is really anything that takes us out of our natural state of being, which led me to um, investigate what my natural state of being is. And it all ciphered down to the state of play. Um, And I thought about myself as a young person um, and that it was What I did most is what I had the most fun doing, and I was always playing. Even if it was studying, there was always, to me, realizing an aspect of play through uh, a perspective rather than a destination. So for me, um, playing, I could look at numbers and play with, uh, with how they fit together rather than looking at it um, like linearly through a sequence. And so I guess it was all about creativity and experiencing the world through a creative lens. And I found that as an adult, as I went through my trials and tribulations, it was in a lot of pain. One of the things that like dropped off first for me was my sense of play, not only in how I would like the things i was doing in my life but also that perspective where things were not becoming fun for me anymore and um and so eventually it led me to becoming a camp counselor and working well i guess working is not the appropriate word playing with Mm -hmm. um younger people and what i realized at that time as an adult that it was my inner child my six-year-old that was really looking for friends and wanting an opportunity and an outlet to play um and it revitalized me it changed really not only my health and my attitude but it changed my pathways of where i started navigating my time energy and career-wise um
0: Yeah, And Brett, you also have a program in which you work with adults to help them play. Uh, Can you talk to us about that program and also how your early acting career helped kind of provide the context to be able to teach adults how to kind of be more embodied and play with themselves? I'm just super curious about that because a lot of people don't have all these different disciplines and skill sets. So I love that you bring that to the table. So maybe you could talk to us about that.
1: Sure. Yeah, I developed a workshop called Playing in Your Pain a couple of years ago, which was really uh, derived from what I was just sharing about in I was looking for ways to um to get back to that state of play and how to um access that in times of like depression, anxiety, heartbreak and physical pain. So I took the pieces that I that I learned from um, my work of studying the nervous system and the polyvagal theory to really understand how the body enters into certain states, like the parasympathetic state of the shutdown response in the body, the sympathetic fight or flight response, and then the state of social engagement, and how I could begin to develop exercises and share exercises that have already been developed. In a way that was palatable for adults and and adults and youth alike to interweave it into their life to get back into that state of play, which, of course, uh, it was very, it was a no brainer for me to dive into the well of the many years in the theater that I had spent and all of the different games and improvisational. Uh, techniques and um, synchronization exercises and finding this really beautiful like cross-intersection between the world of understanding the technology of the body through the nervous system and the world of the theater and the like magical real- realism world and being able to use metaphors and different states of awareness to, uh, to begin to play with concepts and to also play with um, physical states of being.
0: Mm, I love that so much. And, you know, I love that you talk about like being able to understand and kind of um, approach the nervous system in a way where you you sort of manage the nervous system rather than allow it to kind of have free reign. So I want to understand a little bit more about the somatic embodiment work that you are a part of and how you got into it and sort of you know, why you decided to kind of spend a lot of your time in this world of of somatic therapy and helping people heal through healing. And I think, so our audience is a mix of folks who have probably a lot of different knowledge of, of what these words mean. So maybe you can actually define what does somatic actually mean? (laughs) Uh, because Mm. we live in the California, it feels like everyone has gone to a somatic therapist, but I think for the most of the country, um, and even just in the world, I think that term is probably not really um, as understood or maybe well-known um, from a mainstream perspective. So, Yeah,
1: sure. Um, so the root word of somatic is soma, and soma really just means of the body. And so when we're talking about somatic modalities, methodologies, or technologies, we're really talking about body-based, um, like a body-based approach to therapy so rather than like a psychological or mental approach we work with um really the focuses on the physical body and how it stores a lot of the different energies or um information uh over a lifetime now there's so many different types of somatic therapies and it's a really large umbrella you know from massage to body work to all sorts of um ways of working. The specific technique that I uh, came across and that I ended up learning was developed by uh, a woman named Judith Johnson, who developed this program called Psycho Neuroenergetics. It really breaks it down into those three elements, the psycho uh, referring to like the psychology of the mind, neuro, the nervous system, and energetics of like the emotion and the energetic body. And it was, I think in 2016, like I mentioned, I had been going through my own healing crisis. I had been suffering from chronic um, mononucleosis, chronic fatigue syndrome. I had picked up parasites. I lived in a mold infested building. I had picked up mold toxicity. So my body had really gone through the ringer. And I had seen a number of different Western doctors and Eastern doctors and different specialists of all different, backgrounds and I wasn't really, we weren't really able to pinpoint what it was or whatever therapies or supplements I tried weren't really helping. So eventually I was invited to have a session with this woman, Catalina Ureta out here in um, California. And it was the first time that the connection was made for me between my physical body and the pain I was feeling My emotional body and all of the emotions that that I had suppressed in my life and my mental body and all of the thoughts and belief systems that were at play um, in relation to both those, uh, those other two. And what I realized is as we started making connections of the physical sensations in my body, it started taking me back to memories of physical injuries that I had playing sports and eventually led to deeper memories of some psychological impact and imprint. And it was amazing to me how subtle just a shift of focus onto the body could bring back this wealth of experience, emotion. And in the bringing that forth in my conscious mind, While the body was, um, essentially, while we were accessing information in the nervous system, we were able to release tension from the body and reprogram some of these beliefs that were longstanding. And it was incredibly impactful for me. And it was one of those instantaneous moments that I realized I wanted to be sharing this with other people. So I went through the program and uh, have been working with other people um, and continuing to discover and navigate more of these connections um, day by day.
0: And Brett, can you uh, tell us an example of, you know, one of the ways that that has worked for, it could be you or it could be um, someone that you work with, obviously anonymize it. (laughs) I wouldn't um, Mm -hmm. share the name, but if you could maybe share a story of, okay, what does that mean? Like, so you Mm -hmm. have some sort of pain in the body in a certain space and like what, what is the work of, of somatic therapy and healing and how, how long does it take? Um, mm. yeah, I think, cause I think a lot of people are pretty curious about the trauma that they hold in the body. And I also remember, uh, I was listening to something that you shared on the sacred sons podcast and you have mentioned that a lot of us just assume that trauma is restricted to a small group of people who mm. have gone through war, um, or have faced like severe uh, trauma, but I think all of us, you know, I think being human is uh, an exploration of holding trauma. So, um, so yeah, so I'm curious if you could share an example of the process of how it works, and maybe walk us through. Maybe you can even make it up.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and you really put your finger on something I think that is extremely uh, relevant and important, which is a a little bit of how trauma i think is misconstrued globally uh and like i said it's one of these really big little words that we have um and going back to the earlier definition trauma or a traumatic imprint really can be anything on a mental physical emotional and spiritual level that just takes us out of our natural way of being and um to quote stanley rosenberg who is a um, a craniosacral therapist and an author of Accessing the Healing Power of the Vagus Nerve, which is a beautiful book on the polyvagal theory and uh, some exercises how to regulate your system. He writes uh, that trauma is not a problem. It is when it is stored in our body and we don't have the space, the safety, or the means to release it from the body that it becomes a problem. So for example, and I'll use myself uh, as a hypothetical here, let's say I'm in my house and I'm walking and I trip over something and I go crashing to the ground and I land on my elbow. And it's something that maybe we identify as just a simple fall, you know, it, it happens from time to time and it's a scary experience. And so I land and my body immediately goes into a state of shock for a brief moment as the, as the system gets impacted by the crashing to the ground. And from that state of shock, the next thing that happens as I feel safe alone in my house, I get overwhelmed with rage. And I start screaming at the shoe that I tripped over. Or I get overwhelmed with a feeling of uh, sadness. I start crying. And whatever it is that overtakes my body emotionally, if I allow that emotion to come through and then allow the tremor, the natural tremor response in the body um, to take over, it is how we move out of that freeze state and back to homeostasis. So my body will tremble, tremor, and it may, I may cry, I may shake, I may scream, and eventually I'm going to come back into a level of um, like my, w- my water level and go about my day, and I'm not gonna carry anything from that moment, I'll have processed it through, uh, and that memory will most likely fade to the background. Now, for example, let's say I'm now at a social gathering and there's 40, 50 people in a space, and I walk and I trip on something and I fall down to the ground, and I have the same exact fall and I land in the exact same way on my elbow, And I immediately go into that shock response. Now there's 40 or 50 people uh, maybe falling silent and looking at me. And some of them I want to impress and some of them uh, are strangers to me. And there's all these different social dynamics. And what my body wants to do is to do exactly what I mentioned before, scream and cry and tremor and shake and release that energy. But now I have conditioned myself Uh, socially, to suppress all of that. And the words that I hear most commonly is, I'm okay, I'm fine. So say, I'm on the ground, I immediately get up, I say, I'm okay, I'm fine. But now all of that energy in my body that wants to release itself and come out of that free state is no longer having an outlet to do so. So it's, where does it go? It stays in my body. And maybe, you know, I get really flushed in the face and I turn red and I leave and I, you know, I, I go to the, the bathroom and I, I, I breathe a little heavier or I just squash it all the way down. And next thing that happens, a couple of days later, maybe I develop headaches and or get or, or digestive pain or maybe I'm just feeling a low level of anxiety that I can't place or I enter into a kind of a state of depression and I treat the headache with some aspirin or Tylenol. I take something for the stomach, whatever it is, I don't actually address the the, the root cause of that fall. And the symptoms continue, they progress, they develop, and maybe six months, eight months down the road, I develop insomnia or a chronic state of stress or anxiety, or it's coming out in all sorts of weird behaviors and uh, attitude towards the people I'm around. Maybe I'm a little short at work, but all of a sudden it's affecting my entire system and I may not even know where it's coming from. Now of course, this you know, may be a simple example of an extreme outcome, but this, is, this can happen all the time when we are not allowing that process of integration to take place after um, an intense moment of uh, an imprint or an impact in our lives in that way. That's, so what we do in the work is we invite people back, you, not through the mind, but through the body by listening to sensations. Let's say someone comes to see me, we will track their sensations to lead back to that memory of that fall so that they can re-experience it and allow their body to either communicate through words, physicality, or behaviors – what their body wanted to be to do to complete that process at that time to come back to homeostasis.
0: Mm. Wow. I love that so much. I think, and that's probably especially true for people that are often in public environments or are facing some sort of shame or humiliation in public environments where they can't actually process it. Um, So I I think that's such an important work. And I think everyone kind of needs to go through that and like really feel into their body and feel like what's what sort of is triggering them um, and especially the imprint of that. Right. Because if you don't process it, then it just becomes worse and worse over time, I I imagine. Right. It's like the wound that you never really healed. um, So
1: all sorts of um, imprints from impact traumas like car accidents right but then there can be just like chronic stressors like getting sick all the time or emotional abuse or psychological abuse or you know so many different ways in which we can um get uh impacted um and not necessarily feel safe at the time to go through this process of feeling. And so in the, uh, as as I find in working with people, what is required is to actually go back and to feel again. And that can be a very, very scary thing for people. That's why for me, the foundation of the work is built off safety, creating a physical, environmental, and energetic space where someone in their nervous system senses and knows that it is safe for me to feel again. And when we feel, we heal. Can it can be as simple as that. Um, so in all the spaces that I work, whether it's with the youth or with the men um, or with clients one-on-one or serving tea, to me, it's all about how do I create a space of safety where people beyond the narrative, but in their, in their nervous systems, feel that it's safe to be present to experience um, their their senses um, and to relax. Mm,
0: yeah, and so I think so few spaces are really held that way, um, right? Because even at work, right, people aren't taught to hold safe spaces for people. But it's it's such a powerful skill set and it's so needed right now, especially in this last year, I think everyone's nervous systems um, are pretty shot. So um, Brett, I want to talk about like, what about the sort of range of possibilities of emotions that could come out when you're working on people, especially, you know, for people that are, you know, extraordinarily traumatized or who might have done no work at all to process anything, and and then, then they come to you for the first time. Um, and I, I also am curious, like what that's like for men, right, versus women. Uh, we spoke about this when we last connected. How there's not a lot of places for men to process uh, rage in a healthy way, right? Because it's it's just so scary um, to so many people. So I know I asked a lot of questions. So feel free to pick one <laughs> of any of
1: those. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think that to answer your, if I remember your first question first, um, I think some people come to see me actually anticipating very big emotions, Um, you know, and some of these these, uh, foundational ones are anger, which can, right, if held in the body, anger can become rage, sadness, which can become grief fear which can become panic or anxiety um guilt which can you know express itself in a state of shame um and it's always actually pretty surprising to me when people come uh, for a first time a lot of times what they experience is actually um a level of peace like just like a level of of reprieve that their body all of a sudden As a a moment uh, and an invitation to actually relax. And a lot of times people fall asleep when I work with them the first time because they haven't actually had a lot of, um, they've been carrying so much that the system is just wiped. And then from that place, as we begin working deeper and deeper into the psychology and the belief systems and the emotions, um, a lot can come up, you know, feelings of um, separation uh, isolation no, and and separation from um, from community, separation of self, separation separation from God or Source, you know, it can be a big one that I've experienced with people. Feelings of disappointment, feelings of lack, abandonment, betrayal. Um, there can be a lot of these deep feeling states that come out, and when we give them permission to. And they're and they are expressed because that's the other thing. It's one. It's one thing to feel it. It's the other to actually express it. And when these feelings are expressed, uh, they can come out in really subtle ways or really volatile ways. And in those moments, there's always a shift that will take place uh, in the system, where sometimes the mind has to catch up later but there will be an energetic shift um where things will connect um and within sometimes immediately what will happen is someone will actually feel worse afterwards and then after a week or so uh things will be everything will begin to settle and they'll begin to notice these shifts in their life as these patterns that they've been playing out they're now more conscious of and they're not um, held like they're not beholden to or they, the, the patterns or the thoughts have less ownership over them. That's kind of what I see the most. And as far as like the men's spaces, I think you um, put your finger on one of the really big ones which is anger and rage and the other one that I see a lot of course is grief and sadness and there's a lot of men. That have been conditioned out of their sadness and out of their grief. Um, so, Sacred Sons uh, is a beautiful composition of men from so many different backgrounds and specialties that come together to hold space, uh, less in a one-on-one format that I'm um, that I practice with Yemi Heart, but more in group settings where there will be. 20 men holding space for one man to go through, um, a process and for one man to honestly just share and to be heard and seen and felt can be an extraordinary shift in their life, in their life.
0: Mm, Wow. Well, speaking about that, I want to now talk about Sacred Sons and, you know, what is Sacred Sons for those who've never heard of it? why you decided to join the organization and why this work is so important.
1: Mm. Yeah, uh, beautiful. Uh, so Sacred Sons is a global brotherhood um, that was developed uh, to um, embody the healthy masculinity um, within, within men and uh, within male-bodied people specifically. Um, so I was introduced to the organization back in 2018 when it was still pretty young and developing. And I, um, I got connected to some of these uh, men as they were um, creating their first event, which was to hold space for 70 men out in um, the desert east of San Diego. And so I got involved uh, as a facilitator to bring in some of the uh, somatic work that I had been studying and 70 of us showed up. And for three days, it was like, I don't know, like an adult Disneyland for, (laughs) for healing and for celebration and for shadow work and for so many of these, um, important processes, uh, that we don't, necessarily have access or availability, access to or availability in our daily walk. Um, and I have now, over the last three years, Science, uh grows, continues to grow um, globally. There are circles um, happening around the world, as well as these big events in a growing online community. Um, and I have seen hundreds and uh, thousands of men Uh, transform through being in community, being in connection. And not only on a personal level, but I've watched a lot of men um, make make shifts in their lives from going to a personal pursuit to being of service to other people. And that's been extraordinary to watch.
0: Mm. Wow. And... What about the um, becoming a mentor for the youth, the Sacred Sons uh, Youth Program? How did you transition into uh, that work? Because that's a little bit different than kind of maybe the rites of passage of becoming an adult man. Um, and then, can you also talk to us about this, that program and how it's different?
1: Sure. It um, was it was a, a no brainer for me, um, and it's one of those like easy cross sections in my life like i mentioned years before that i had um worked as a camp counselor and then i was working at a youth organization in 2016 and 2017 here in los angeles and then in about 2017 18 and 19 i was developing my own youth organization um called the phoenix assembly to bring a value based practices and social emotional sensory based learning to the youth. So when I was invited by, um, the creator of the sacred stones youth program named Trevor spring, um, it was just such an easy, yes, an easy fit for me. Um, cause it combined my passions of working with those young, uh, of working with the youth and also bringing in some of the processes and, um, and principles of what Sacred Sons is. So what makes the Sacred Sons youth program, uh, I think, really unique. One, of course, since we're in COVID times, it is currently an online platform. Um, And it is rather than a one-to-one mentorship program, it's a group mentorship program. So that all the calls have uh, a number of adult mentors and young adult mentees in the program. So it immediately establishes community and connection for the young men to each other, and also for uh, older men that they can, um, uh, you know, get um, different life experiences from.
0: Nice. I think that the intergenerational relationships are something that are so it's so powerful to have friends of just completely different generations, walks of life and perspectives. And I think having a space where men can come together and, and really explore that too, for, for me, feels like just such a powerful uh, p- piece in culture. Like we just don't see it very often. Um, so I I love that. And is there maybe a story or something that you could share about how it may have changed someone's perspective, uh, who is a part of that program?
1: Yeah. So one of the, one of the pillars of safety, um, in across all platforms that I work with, like I mentioned, and specifically in this one is confidentiality so that we don't take another man or young man's story and take it out of the space. It's what allows that space to feel very sacred, to feel very protected and for allow the young men to be very vulnerable. So, I won't share another man's story. Um, what I'm willing to share is my own experience of um, being very, very humbled by the willingness of some of these young men to open up a window into their lives um, and to be vulnerable and to be seen. And while uh, I, I notice you know, myself in a little bit of a, a cultural gap, of, I realize I'm like very, um, not hip when it comes to the the video games and the, the, you know, and, and a lot of them are growing up on the internet and there's a whole culture that I'm not really, uh, aware of, but when we start getting into, um, their, their emotions and their, um, and their relationships and the struggles going on in their life and their willingness to be seen and heard. Um, it's not only is it humbling, but I'm also taken aback at the wisdom that they provide me uh, in my own life. And I've, I feel like I've gotten actually a lot of guidance from them uh, in this pro- in this program.
0: Wow, I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah. I mean, I think that sometimes we assume that they're just because we're older uh, that we have much more wisdom and that's just not true. (laughs) You know, it's so interesting. I think so many people want to create a hierarchy culture and that's just kind of does everyone a disservice uh, because we're just so, so complex and we have so much different types of wisdom, right? So Brett, you run the Yummy Heart organization. And so I'd love to hear why you created it, why you chose the name Yummy Heart, and why it exists? Hmm.
1: Yeah, so I after I got certified uh, in psychoneuroenergetics, from my teachers Catalina Areta and Judith Johnson, I started practicing uh, on friends and family and quickly realized that it was something that I wanted to create in a more substantial way. Um, so I started developing it as a business and I spent about six months, um, trying to figure out a name and it led me down a very deep rabbit hole into all these different terminologies and technical, uh, definitions of trauma and somatics and bioenergetics. And I just wasn't it just wasn't feeling, um, right in my system. And so after like months and months and conversations with friends, uh, I remember sitting one day and just tuning into what felt really authentic for me. What, what is the feeling that I wanted people to leave with after seeing me? And the word yummy came to mind. Uh, Y a M. Uh, Is the root, the the heart mantra. And yum and yummy is a word that I've been using for a very good portion of my life. Uh, I once was told that yummy is one of the best spiritual words you can use, because why do anything if it's not yummy? Um, And then it was about connecting back to the heart and operating from that space of to me returning to the natural state of being is returning to heart consciousness. And so it became a natural easy pairing of those two words and that concept of the yummy heart, um, which for me is that resonance of, uh, when people come to see me, um, to me, it's not about, it's not about trauma. It's not even about, um, the, the story, it's about returning to that place. Uh, and if we can return to that place, however it is that we get there, that's the aim, that's the intention.
0: Beautiful, beautiful. And how has the pandemic shifted your perspective um, with Yummy Heart, with Sacred Sons, Like how have you sort of shifted your perspective um, on this work and what have you sort of like noticed uh, since you started working in this space?
1: 75% of the work that I do uh, with clients had been physical touch. You know, a lot of what psychoneuroenergetics like is, is um, holding acupressure points in the body to accelerate energetic discharge. And even in our somatic tracking, we may offer hands-on support and work with um, the, the fascia and the, and the nerves and the tissues in the body to downregulate the nervous system. So physical touch is a very big component of the work I've been doing. So of course, when the pandemic struck, we in the community of PE all spent several months getting together and figuring out ways to transition this work into an online platform. And what I found is I started seeing clients in a in that space, mostly on Zoom, and we were actually able to have really powerful and profound results, not only through somatic tracking of the body, but the emphasis really became about self-regulation and having a person learn their own resiliency and ability to regulate their own nervous system in their own space. Um, so we had spent a good amount of time, um, adjusting, uh, into this online space. Uh, even with Sacred Sons, you know, we spent, we canceled one of our big gatherings. A lot of the, uh, in-person circles transitioned online, even the tea gatherings I did. I had been hosting a weekly tea gathering, um, every week, uh, In the backyard of my home and I transitioned that online so that for 50 weeks we ended up doing online tea ceremonies and of course it wasn't the same to sit in space with other people however I found that it was actually a lifeline for a lot of people to just stay connected to know that there are other people that they could be expressive with vulnerable with and transparent with
0: amazing that, yeah, that's, that's so cool that, that you are able to hold that space during the pandemic and give people an option. I think that a lot of people seem like they transitioned into more of a hybrid model even now um, because it just has made it easier and accessible to connect with people who might not be physically close, uh, who definitely need that kind of access. So
1: Yeah, and touch is an essential aspect of health. in in our bodies Um, and what I've been investigating for myself and then with the people I work with is how we can provide that for ourselves if we're not in spaces where we're receiving it from other people. So developing um, not only different, like specific precise ways of touching our bodies, but one thing that I've really taken to since the pandemic is I'm like constantly petting myself. You know, I'm like constantly <laughs> like, like petting my shoulders and my neck and being like, you're okay. You're okay, buddy. Uh, and, and it's something that I will, I, I will take with me and I'm actually, um, releasing any shame around doing it in public. Um, you know, cause it's just, it's so important to my system that I'm getting that, that touch. Um, And I found that that's one thing that was really – what I was seeing a lot in the pandemic was isolation leading to great great states of stress and anxiety uh, or great states of depression um, and feeling really disassociated. People were feeling very disassociated in their bodies. So how – finding ways to reassociate them through their own um, connection to their own bodies.
0: Hmm. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love the petting yourself. And, um, I think i read somewhere too, that if you hug yourself, that it kind of releases the same type of endorphins as if you hug someone else. Although I think a lot of people who lived alone, like, weren't super happy to <laughs> sit at home hugging themselves. But <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's probably been the hardest part for people that have lived alone or who don't have, uh, other folks in their household who they can, who they feel comfortable touching, um, so, and yeah. what do you think is kind of like the future of humanity going forward? Um, you know, considering like all the things that we've been through and also your window into the somatic world, like, do you think people are getting, is it getting better? Uh, is it getting worse? Uh, is it neutral? What, what has sort of been your perspective?
1: I think it's intensifying on all levels, um, and moving across the spectrum, um, And and what i what i mean by that is i think that as i'm watching the the youth and the young people of today you know the average screen time is like 10 to 11 hours a day um it's a lot and i think it's only going to increase and i think as our technology increases so will the relationship to it um and i think on one level that is going to lead to more disassociation mm. um, and disconnection from the body. And it also is going to provide innovative and opportunistic ways for us to use technology in ways that we can't even conceive right now to actually help reassociate and get people into their bodies. And I think that's exciting. Um, and I also think that with the Um, advance of technology, there's going to be a natural desire to actually get off of it and to reconnect um, on a human to human level. So Mm, as far as far, yeah, as far as better or worse, um, I think both, you know, Mm -hmm. in, in both, in, in both in all directions, there's just going to be more like there's going to be more content more information, more opportunities to disconnect, and more opportunities to reconnect.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love, I love that. The intensification of all things. Maybe the intensification of all polarities <laughs> as yeah.
1: Well. yeah. Yeah, I, I think so.
0: Yeah, wow. And what sort of things have surprised you the most on your journey?
1: Mm. Wow, great question. I would say how unbelievably fragile the human being is and at the same time how impossibly resilient it is. It's it's so absolutely fascinating to me Um, how vulnerable we can be and at the same time how we can go through the most insane, intense, traumatic experience and rebound from it. Um, and and to be with people in the extremes of those experiences has been really uh, wild and wonderful to watch.
0: Mm, that's such a good answer. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's so very powerful and so true. I mean, I think, yeah, the human condition is so complex. And I feel like we always assume that we know someone or that we know how people are going to react. And then there's just always a lot of surprises and unknowns. So, so Brett, are there any books or resources that have inspired you on this path? And are there any books that you can share with our
1: audience? Oh yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'll rattle them off. Um, Number one on my list would be the accessing the healing power of the vagus nerve by Stanley Rosenberg, where he takes the polyvagal theory postulated by Stephen Porges and really writes it in simple terms um, and provides exercises that you can do at home to regulate your nervous system and re-enter into social engagement. Very, very powerful. Um, Waking the Tiger by Peter Levine is his first book. Uh, Peter Levine developed somatic experiencing um, and studied the animal kingdom for many years and uh, the nervous system in relation of all across all mammals. Um, And it's a really, once again, articulate and simple way to understand how the nervous system works. The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk um, is another powerful one on how the body uh, stores traumatic imprint, um, based on a lot of what I was talking about. Yeah, and these are like the top three that come to my mind. Amazing, amazing.
0: Yeah, I I will check out all of them. I've read um, the last, uh, the body keeps the score. Uh, that one is is epic, <laughs> so important. Oh,
1: and um, uh, Grand- my grandmother's hands by Resmaa Menakem. <sighs> oh yeah, that's a great book. That's all
0: about somatic healing but also race.
1: Yes, like cultural somatics. Um Re- Resma's work on racial trauma and um how uh our culture, like how uh we are affected in our like cultural somatic body, like our 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 body as a whole as culture is really really uh powerful.
0: I love that you mentioned that book. I bought it. Um, I'm actually reading it now. And I just feel like it should be required reading for every person on earth, mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: frankly. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow. Awesome. And what do you want to tell our listeners about their health and wellness and well being as your main takeaway or call to action?
1: Mm. First, uh, that you're not alone. I think that's something that can be cliche and at the same time i think it's really important to uh to know to know it to know it on every level that your experience what you're going through you're not alone in it there are other people that um are experiencing it and if we can really know that and get connected to that and find those other people um Just that level of connection will begin the process of, uh, of changing our state of being that, and that the breath is your best friend. The breath is that tool. Uh, the breath is an incredible mechanism in the body, which is both involuntary and voluntary. It's one of the the few mechanisms in the body that, uh, operates that way so while we are breathing without our consciousness without bringing our conscious awareness onto it it is what is keeping us alive we also are able to bring awareness to it manipulate the breath and speak to the nervous system it is literally the joystick that allows us to command so at any moment you can re-shift your focus onto your breathing and that is going to send signals to your body um, that it can either relax, calm down, or that it can actually elevate and activate out of a state of, um, out of a depressed state.
0: Mm. Yes. I love that so much. Oh, wow. Very powerful reminder. I think so many people don't really know how to breathe and how to mm. use breath, uh, to their advantage, you know, as a human. So very, mm. very powerful reminder. Thank you so much, Brett. It's been such a pleasure. I am so grateful that you exist and that you're doing this work in the world and changing so many lives. Are there any resources that you can point folks to in order to learn more about you and your work?
1: Sure. Uh, the yummyheart.com or the yummy heart across all social media. Um, you can always visit sacred sons.com. Check out what we're doing. Um, tons of events coming up there. If you go to sacred suns, uh, platform, you can also get in touch with connected to the youth program on there. Um, and also through the website, psychoneuroenergetics.com, you can get connected to Judith and the work that we are developing with the courses. We have, uh, coming up, if you're interested in learning how to do this work to support others.
0: Mm, amazing. And it's all in person or online or, or both?
1: So the, uh, Judith and I, um, have a course that's starting October 23rd, which may, um, be after this, re- before this release date. Um, and it is a 40 week online course with two in-person four day retreats. So it's a combination of both.
0: Oh, wow. Awesome. 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 All right. Well, I will make sure that we'll leave all those links in the show notes for people to find you and start their journey. Brett, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate your wisdom and your knowledge on all these topics. So thank you.
1: Oh, thank you, Yasmin. It was a true pleasure, honor, and joy to talk to you.
0: Oh, likewise, likewise. And for our audience, thanks for joining and for listening. In this episode, we learned about how to heal the trauma of the body with Brett Fleischer. And you can tune in to Gateways to Awakening, where we host one-on-one conversations with leading experts in wellness, well-being, and spirituality. Thanks again.